Welcome to the Birds FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Game of Stones. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction. Righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, Patriots. And tonight is Friday, February 2nd in the year 2024. We have the border rally starting to assemble for their big events starting tomorrow. And just so you know, that'll be live streamed on our Rumble and on Resistance Chicks Rumble channel starting at, I believe, noon tomorrow. So look for that, and that'll go. We're just going to pick up the feed that's coming out of their event, and you'll be able to pick it up there, and we can watch it there. And that'll continue through the day as long as they continue to live stream it. So that'll be a good thing. That's a really a big um, rally down there. We're going to talk some about that and a lot about... Uh, a lot of other things in what was essentially kind of a crazy and intense week as we decided this evening or earlier today to launch a strike against Syria and try to draw us into yet a deeper quagmire of war. So what can you say? When you're led by psychopaths in the world, expect to see psychopath stuff happen, right? Patriots, one thing is absolutely certain and we have to be prepared is that for the event that these psychopaths do something crazy like drop an EMP. We know that. And that would be right in par with the crazy stuff they do since they've already seen it fit to try to destroy an entire country with a, a COVID vax and they continue to try to murder children. There's nothing better than to try to wipe out your history than to erase everything through an electromagnetic pulse weapon or something like that. That's why we have EMP Shield. The EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com, head on over there, take advantage of this product, it is, a, it is an insurance policy, and it's one of the best out there. It will protect you from an EMP, level one, two, or three. It will also protect you from lightning strikes and solar flares. This is a critical piece considering the state of where things are. So much of what we depend on is electronically driven. These sorts of events can fry your electronics and even leave ships destroyed that you can't easily replace. And the damage of and the collapsing of supply chain logistics, that could mean months, if not years to ever get something repaired and an unbelievable cost. So rely on EMP Shield. Head on over to EMPShield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. That'll give you $50 off per product and free shipping. So take advantage of that today. It'll be a great, it's a great investment for where we are in this time. Well, I guess, you know, we start to look around at the in crazy things that we are in. The one thing that becomes exceedingly clear is that our world still remains in a state of insanity. Uh, Brad Miller put up a post today. He's one of the he's the former battalion commander of 101st Airborne, who's on the signatory on the DMA Declaration of Military Accountability. This is what he wrote. Generally speaking, two sides don't go to war because of conflicts their representative governments have with one another. While that's the model of geopolitics we're supposed to accept, it isn't really true. He goes on, wars occur because powerful networks order both sides' leaders to go to war. 
That's how it happens. It's one or both sides. If one or both sides resist, then leaders are bribed, cajoled, deposed, assassinated, or economies suffer until the leaders agree. Then conflict is engineered to make the war appear organic. Meanwhile, the brainwashed public on each side cheers. That's literally the situation we're in right now, and it's a very dangerous moment. And we have to continue to push to get people to awaken. We actually have churches in this nation that are advocating for the eradication of the Palestinians from the pulpit because supporting Israel is so important that we are supposed to annihilate an entire culture. We have people in this country that have never seen Ukraine, don't even know what it is, probably can't locate it on the map that are flying Ukraine flags outside their buildings, even in small towns like where I'm at, because of supposedly we're supposed to fight Russia. This is insane. And the American public has been nurtured on this insanity that war equals peace and that somehow we're the greatest game in town. I have said this before, and it's a true statement. If you dig into the leadership, NATO is really Nazi Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's not North Atlantic. And and it's important to understand the the nature of that. The leadership that came out of our country the leadership that is in our country ultimately has its root back into some very dark things. And one of those roots that it has its back to is Operation Paperclip, which takes the Nazis into this country. Take a listen to this clip. That's why the Nazis were studying mind control. And what the Nazis had settled on for mind control was that a person first needed to be malnourished. The second thing was they needed to have heavy metals Aluminum was their one of choice at that time, deposited into their bodies. The third thing that they needed was to have negative stimulus, punishment if you don't do what we tell you to do. And then the fourth thing, repeat messaging. When you do those four things, what you create is a person who is now willing to suggestibility and willing to be controlled in their mind. In 1945, Alan Dulles brings 1,600 Nazi scientists into the United States. It's called Operation Paperclip. He clears all their records. He makes sure they avoid getting involved in the Nuremberg trials. All of them certainly would have been sentenced to death. He brought them into the United States, put them in our government, and gave them unlimited funding because he loved what they were doing with mind control. These scientists brought all the Nazi science into the United States. And so now you have rollout of the Nazi agenda in the United States and then starting to go globally because everybody is taking what the United States do is doing as the way of the future. Those repeated messages that the Nazis were doing, those became commercials. There you go. The advertising agency, which is no surprise since we used advertising agencies models when we were in information warfare and even psyops. This is, is all part of the big design of things is to weaponize an entire system that the people live under so that they start to support ridiculous things and truly start to do ridiculous things in support of agendas to kill one another. That's, that's the end game here. The end game truly is to be in, in a place where they can tell us that we are in a democracy and that this is the greatness of the world when in fact we're in a representative republic convince people to follow this train of thinking so that they can lead us willfully by the nose into the grips and, and control of tyranny. Take a listen to this. A democracy is a political system in which the people periodically, by majority vote at the polls, select their rulers. The rulers then have absolute power 
to make whatever laws they please by majority vote among themselves. In a constitutional republic, the people also by majority vote at the polls select rulers who make laws by majority vote among themselves. But the rulers cannot make any laws they please because the Constitution severely restricts their lawmaking power. The ideal of a democracy is universal equality. The ideal of a constitutional republic is individual liberty. In this century, great strides have been made toward the goal of subverting our republic and transforming it into a democracy. The foremost tactic of the subverters is subversion of language. By calling America a democracy until people thoughtlessly accept and use the term, totalitarians have obscured the real meaning of American principles of government. Writers of the Constitution were anxious to safeguard liberty against dictatorship, monarchy they called it. But their chief anxiety was to protect the country against democracy. Edmund Randolph, delegate to the Constitutional Convention from Virginia, said the general object of the convention was to provide a cure for the follies and fury of democracy. Elbridge Gerry and Roger Sherman, delegates from Massachusetts and Connecticut, urged the Constitutional Convention to create a system to eliminate the evils that flow from the excess of democracy. Alexander Hamilton, delegate from New York, said, We are now forming a Republican government. Real liberty is not found in democracy. If we incline too much to democracy, we shall soon shoot into a monarchy. John Adams, one of the giants of the American Revolutionary period, said, Democracy will envy all, contend with all, endeavor to pull down all. And when by chance it happens to get the upper hand for a short time, democracy will be revengeful, bloody, and cruel. America was founded not as a democracy, but as a constitutional republic. We pledge allegiance to the republic for which our flag stands, not to a democracy. The Constitution requires a republican form of government for all states, but does not mention democracy, and neither does the Declaration of Independence or the Bill of Rights. Foreman asked him what kind of government the convention had given America, and Franklin replied, a republic, if you can keep it. Very old and very wise, Franklin saw through the mists of time to the day when Americans might trade their freedom in a constitutional republic for the promise of government guaranteed equality and security in a democracy. And beyond that, to the day when democracy inevitably degenerates into dictatorship, guaranteeing nothing but poverty and serfdom for the people it robs and rules. This has been the biggest lie and part of their game that they've played all along, which is to continue to change the narrative into the discussion that we're in a democracy. We're not. And our founding fathers hated democracy. They knew what it would do. Unfortunately, even in our schools, kids don't even know what a constitutional republic is. All they know is that we're in a democracy. When you take statistical analysis, when you do a survey of kids and you look at what they what they've come to believe, they actually believe that socialism comes from social media and that democracy is the only true form of government since it's true representation. All these things are a lie. What we've witnessed here, in fact, is we've witnessed democracy in our country and we've witnessed democracy in our, in our states and we see how that works and how that works is in the representative process. We have a, a situation in all of our states right now which, represent, which points to how democracy fails. Oregon, Washington, California, Chicago, or Illinois, uh, New York, to name a few. It, and Georgia is another. These states are being driven by the policies of a few of one or two cities. New York State is being driven by New York City. Oregon is being driven by Portland. Washington State is being driven by Seattle. California, 
politics actually are driven by Silicon Valley and by San Francisco, even though there's a large percentage of people in the populational areas in, in the rurals that are, are red. All of these cities have been, all these states have been turned blue because of one or two counties, maybe maybe five at most. Because the representation model within our states doesn't respect the, the broad spectrum of people. It's based on a just a raw vote. And since there's more representatives in power that come out of these local areas with higher population density, we end up with a, a tilted system and ultimately our states get taken over. We are in a difficult moment in our nation of having to face some very brutal truths because at the root of all of this is a corruption that is fit into this model, which they call democracy. People that go into politics are people that seek to gain power and wealth. That power and wealth ultimately is coming from benefactors. It's coming from our our own taxpayer dollars. It's coming from all the different ways of graft and corruption that can possibly be. And so you see congressmen enter in with a certain amount of money, and then suddenly they gain wealth and power. One of the things we have noticed and have come to, come to understand is that people like that enter into Congress end up getting wealthy because they're given insider trading tips. That should be something everybody should ask. How is it possible that in a in a market at Wall Street that they can be so sure, certain that somebody can they can give a tip to a congressman or a senator, and that they will be suddenly able to make tons of money off of a single trade or a few trades? This is done with every single person on Capitol Hill. You can Ted Cruz included, by the way. Take a look at their wealth gain. There's no possible way on the salary on the salary. Uh, that they make, that they can make the wealth that they make. So this becomes a very important part of control, and it becomes a part of recruitment. People go into politics because they can't do anything else in their life, but they seek power and they seek wealth, and that becomes a profile of a psychopath at the end of the day. They have no desire to truly serve the people at the end of the day. What they're interested in serving is themselves. Once that door is opened, the ability to blackmail or leverage people becomes unlimited. We see that same problem happen within our generals, our flag officers in our military. As they get into these higher ranks, they go through a selection process which begins at the 06 level. And their whole career is analyzed, but at the 06 level is where this it's a colonel level or captain in the Navy. There's a critical moment now that's decided, they determine whether they're going to be worthy of the officer class to step up into this, what we call flag officer level, one star or above. Few people anymore make that cut without being an, an assessed to being pro deep state, pro one world government, pro some sort of globalization concepts. It comes in many forms. They look for that profile as somebody that's more willing to comply with the interests of the elite than the interests of the country. They, they feed them the things that they need. They look at the papers they write. They, they indoctrinate them into the places they are, and the selection is made. Once that selection is made and they're entered into this cult that goes above the leadership, which is what we currently have in our military, that's when many other things begin to be offered. It's the opportunity to be, and, it, and all this is through the process of your your colonel and your captain class to where they're starting to be be reached out to by lobbyists or people that are interested in hiring them on boards. And you'll see that the, as they step up and if they're willing to step into that flag officer and above, the type of socialization that they get is, is a selection process to select out those that might be pro-republic and those that will be pro-quote-unquote democracy, which is another word for tyranny, another word for tyranny. We have seen this happen so long in our in our face 
that we've become almost numb to it and we haven't really seen what's going on behind the scenes. And so when we get officers in charge of our military, they're easily controlled. They're easily controlled by politicians, which should never be. They're easily controlled against the will of the people, which should never be. And they're easily controlled to do things that will even end up harming soldiers. Soldiers become a number, a, a dot on the page. And so like with COVID con, as they deploy a vax, we have people up there that willfully, every officer in the, in the general officer class willfully administered or supported the COVID rollout. And even to this day, many still support it because at the end of it, they don't want to look at the facts. They don't want to see the truth that this was a con that is destroying our military, just like our politicians aren't going to look at it like it's a con that's been killing millions of people. The reason they don't want to look that way is because ultimately they're told or they know that they, if they take any other step, that they will lose their protective umbrella that this deep state um, this deep state mechanism is giving them. They will not be immune from prosecution. They will lose their wealth and benefits. They will have to turn their back on people to protect their ruling elite because ultimately they've become part of a cult. This is what rules our nation. And this is what rules our military. The result is where we are. We have an open border an open border where people are flooding across. If you think right now that you can consider ourselves to be a country, you're wrong. We've lost that. And I need to say it. It needs to be said, and it's hard to take. But the fact is we are not the United States anymore. We have been transformed between COVID-Con, which literally traumatized an entire nation. It has left people under a trauma and under a a cognitive snap, a, a, almost a disability where people are, are hesitant to step up and speak anything that was complicated and compounded by J6. They are been traumatized by the, the idea of a pandemic, all the stress and trauma that put on each and every person that complied with that, with the masks and later the vax. The injection had something to do with some of this cognitive nonsense because it has got, it is the only one thing we absolutely know it does is it passes the blood brain barrier. And in the end, we have a nation that has a small return of people that are willing to stand up and speak the truth. This is the truth. And it's hard to take this, but the fact is that we just, we have been gutted. And there's a large body of Americans out here that are walking around like living zombies because they either don't want to or can't face the truth of what they've been part of. And that's part of this guilt. It's a moral it's a moral injury, as Brad Miller would point, point it out, moral injury. And it becomes, becomes an internal trauma that people can't get over. And where they should be able to heal this is in our churches. Our churches should be able to step in and say, this is a moral injury. This is tyranny working upon you. This is how we're going to raise you up again as men in the body of Christ. And it doesn't happen because our churches are no longer what they were in the Black Robe Regiment era. They aren't speaking against tyranny. They're speaking against, they're speaking against like not loving somebody. So instead of speaking against tyranny, they fly the coat, they fly the, the rainbow flag or the pedophile flag in their front yard. We've seen this happen more and more. Churches are being conquered. The pulpit has been destroyed. Seminary isn't building up strong men. It's, it's building up weak men. It's building up men that don't understand what it is to be a man, to be strong. Do a survey, and I would encourage you to do so. Do a survey of pastors and ask every pastor you know, have you killed an animal? Have you hunted and killed an animal? Because that's a transformative issue. 
You get somebody who knows how to hunt, who has to, who can kill and to butcher their own animals. That's transformative in a man's development. Ask how many pastors know how to do that. I'm going to bet you you get a response of less than 10%. We don't have strong men. Those pastors of our beginning of our nation were strong men. They were also farmers. They were also out there in the community living. Part of life was you had to butcher your own food. You had to hunt. You had to, to grow your own food. That was part of life. We've moved now to this idea of a pastor that will simply work his job as a payroll from the, from the church, and he gives his one sermon, some as, uh, some as many as five sermons on a weekend. I'll give him credit for that. But the fact of the matter is we don't have the spine of pastors we had before, and they should be the backbone, that safety catch of a nation, because our politicians are corrupt. Our corporate leaders have become corrupt. Our military leadership has become corrupt. So where do we turn? That's a question. And ultimately, that goes to tonight's title, which is Game of Stones. Where does it turn? It turns to us. We the people. Our nation was always built on the principle of we the people, which means that we have to start stepping away from the idols and the people we would turn to normally to say lead us because they can't. We have to start embracing exactly what the Bible tells us, whether it's David with his five stones or whether it's millstones because you're violating a child. We have given the authorities to step up in this time and to be bold and to lead this nation back. That's community action. That's local level accountability. And everything in this nation begins and roots itself in local politics and local action. We have to build our communities locally. We have to get into politics locally. We have to start rooting out the darkness and the evil, which exists everywhere. My own county, it's a conservative county. If you get into the politics here, it's dark and it's nasty. They use cronyism for every one of their contracts. They, they don't com equally competitively bid. If you start to get out into their areas towards the coast or rural areas, you start to find out that the county is in a quiet land confiscation program. One of the places they've done is they've started to take over campgrounds. Private campgrounds in this county of mine have quietly been forced, um, acquired by the county so that the county owns those grounds. They did this under COVID. These are people in your local area, in my local area, in your local area, same thing. They Once they're given a taste of power, they use that power for their own benefit. And they're going to use it for the benefit of, the, of this organizational cult that they just so slowly become part of. The whole concept of our power is rooted in our constitutions and in our Bible. We are given authority over them. They don't have authority over us, but they constantly pressure on us and we don't push back. So like anything else, once that tsunami comes in and we're not pushing back against it, it grows in force. And as it grows in force, we collapse and we give in. So I want to tell you a story because just before the show, I spent about an hour talking to Shemaine and Ted Nugent. And I want to tell you a story about authority. I want to tell you a story about courage. And I want to tell you a story about what it takes in this day to hold people accountable. And this comes from Ted, and I'm going to tell it secondhand, but it was a great story. In fact, I was the way Ted tells it is not going to be the way I'm going to tell it, but the way Ted tells it, I was literally laughing for 20 minutes. It was, it was outrageously good. Ted went to the SHOT Show recently. He and Shemaine went to the SHOT Show, and there at the SHOT Show was a booth of the BATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And so Ted walked up and said hello to the guys, and of course, He's Ted, the rock star. He's Mr. Pro 2A. Ted, everybody knows Ted. Ted has done more individually for the defense of the Second Amendment than anybody, I think, in history. Ted is, par excellence, the hunter. Shemaine is right behind him, and they, they encourage hunting. They encourage the freedom of expression. 
they encourage the First Amendment. And really what's important about this is the fight for Second Amendment begins with the First Amendment. So Ted introduced himself. And of course, you can imagine the ATF guys are thinking they're kind of cool. They're high speed. And then the Ted Nugent assault began. And it was beautiful. Ted's eloquence with the way he speaks it is better than I can do. But he, he went after them to question them for their entire existence in front of everybody at the SHOT Show, why they were there, what gave them the right to decide, for example, how long or how much a silencer should be, what gave them the right to regulate alcohol. And here's the key. Ted doesn't drink. So one of the things Ted asked him was, if you regulate alcohol, then why are you allowing this poison to poison people's lives? He tore them up. He tore them up and triggered them. In fact, according to Ted, there were two rather heavy-set BATF ladies in the background, which were apparently, according to him, quite woke. They suddenly found themselves in a, in a moment of near meltdown. Ted was in a full-on frenzy and let every one of them have it. Now, this is the, what the point of the story is. He's put before them the violation of what they've done. They are standing against the Constitution, and Ted has no problem telling them what, about that. He's unleashing on them. So as he leaves, as he tells a story, another gentleman comes up, and he's in a BATF coat. And he sees Ted, and he says, Ted, he says, I've, I love your music, man. I'm, I'm, I've got your album, and he's in Buffalo Soldier is one of my favorite, all this. And Ted looked at him, and he said, were you just at the booth where I was? And the guy says, no. He says, well, let me give you a replay. And so Ted begins to go at this guy and literally breaks him. I mean, the, he says the guy is just like broken. He's Here he is having Ted Nugent slay him right in front of everybody in, and about being a BATF agent. And so the whole principle is to let him be aware that he's in the violation of the Constitution. BATF is an anti-constitutional organization. Now, Ted ended it by giving him a challenge coin, and he gave him this. He said, you have to choose. You cannot be in part of Ted Nugent's nation and at the same time serving the BATF. You have to choose. What world are you going to be in? That's ultimately what we're down to right now. This is a principal issue right now that you have to understand that we're not in a kind, love, and hug world. We need the power of words and truth to be able to cut through people's programming. People have been deeply programmed over the years. That piece I played just earlier is all about the concept of what they've done to the society. They have poisoned the food. They have created malnourishment. They've created trauma. They've done frequency warfare. They have done a whole variety of things. And especially since COVID-Con, they have assaulted a world and left people with an unbelievable level of doubt, shame, and fear. The three pillars of control. And with that pillars of doubt, shame, and fear, people literally have just retracted. We don't have the loud voices out here. And we aren't, and we're looking around saying, where are the leaders? And instead of looking at ours amongst ourselves, we keep looking up. People look towards Tucker Carlson now to try to change the world. Or they look towards Laura Logan as I roll my eyes. They're trying to change the world. These people are are going to speak their voice, but they're not part of the people. And I, I am taking this and, and being very, and even if they are, they're one person and they can't change the world. We, the people, change the world. We have to start understanding our power and what it takes, and it begins with one-on-one -on -one engagement. That's where everything begins to change, is when we, are, when we are living a righteous life and we are speaking truth to people, and I'm using the Ted Nugent model because he understands very well 
He can play to thousands of people. He can have people support him, but those people are already with him. Where he needs to fight his fight is on the ground with the one-on-one. That's where every one of us needs to fight our fight. You have to know the Constitution. You have to know the Declaration of Independence. You've got to be rooted in Scripture. And when you can bring those things together and slay slay your opponent with those words of truth and righteousness, they are now put in a position of having to choose. And our point we're in right now is where are we going? How are we going to separate what's before us? Because we literally have to get people to understand that we are in the critical hour of of choosing whom you serve. That's where we are. We are down with a moment of what's your what's your point of being here? And if your point of being here in this hour is simply to say I'm trying to gain as much money for my family, I'm trying to ensure my pension wealth, I'm trying to do this or that, you're fooling yourself. Because this world is never going back to where it was. COVID-Con was the beginning of the Great Reset. It was the beginning of something so profound and so transformative that we literally are never going to see the world the way we thought. The world has literally changed in so many ways that we no longer have the ability to say that we're, we were who we were. And it's, it is not going to change at all. Our world has been a world built on a lie. Everything about what we do is a lie. Here's a quick example. If you remember, just recently, there was a guy who apparently beheaded his father. The story is that he, as he, he beheaded his father that worked for, that worked for the uh, federal government, and then he proclaimed himself that he was part of some national militia and trying to talk about being a radicalized person. Well, Anons do a good job of research, and yes, that head that he showed everybody that was supposedly bloody in a plastic bag, the video of which was banned almost immediately from YouTube, even though it was allowed to stream long enough to get it to get other people to grab it and start spreading it. Well, that head would cost $299. It's a prosthetic. They found it online. You can buy it. You can you can own one. You put a little fake blood on it, and you now have yourself an instant beheading in your room. Why would they possibly pull that psyop off? Well, that psyop roots itself in something very important. It's a policy. And that policy that we're talking about here is a policy that they were putting forward, a bill to literally control the people and to change the nature of our country. That bill is called H.R. 6981. This PSYOP happened just shortly before Bill H.R., like a day before H.R. 6981 was delivered to Congress, and it is called Preventing Private Paramilitary Activity Act of 2024. This bill is a a backdoor to confiscating guns across the country because what they're trying to do is tag, as this PSYOP was trying to do, is to suggest that he was a Trump supporter, he was a QAnon, and he was a a member of a national paramilitary group. Isn't that interesting? All three of those pillars touch almost every single one of us that is not part of the left. And it can be used to justify anything since they would, in trying to prevent Private Military Activity Act, H.R. 6981, would then allow our friends, the BATF, to create false documents and false accusations to confiscate your guns. None of these people in the BATF are, are elected. They've all sworn an oath. 
This bill here was not was not debated by the people. It's being slid in underneath the underneath the radar. This is not representative a representative Republican anymore. This is functioning on the rules of a tyrannical, which is what they're calling a democracy. The only way that we could possibly that we can possibly change this nation is to start engaging people one on one to educate them because the system is not going to do it them do it for us. And that is an authority that we have that we must in, endure or use. Otherwise, we are literally going to lose this nation. We are in a critical time right now of truth, and we have to abide by the truth. Take a listen to this piece. I played it this morning, but it's important because what most people don't realize is we're in a process of repeating history. The repeat of history is that we're part of a great reset, and the great reset is already happened once before. Here we go. Did you guys know that they attempted the great reset before? 1955 to 1962, known as the Great Leap Forward, took place in China, of course, and literally mirrors the Great Reset almost to a T minus the biometrics, technology, and AI. So the slogan for the Great Leap Forward was the Chinese three red banners. Same three red banners we see lots of people using in their east, from Biden to Winsome Sears to the Freedom Phone to Tesla, and called on the Chinese to build a socialist state. Uh, private po- property was abolished. You'll own nothing and be happy. All farmland was seized. Only the government could provide food. Um, they forced people into state-run, government-ran communes, which were basically 15-minute cities that they're building now. Again, minus the technology and the AI that they have. Um, so the Great Leap Forward, and they love their greats, right? Great Depression, Great Awakening, the Great Famine, the Great Dying, the Great Reset. Everything's fucking great with them. But the Great Leap Forward shares many other similarities with the Great Reset. There was universal basic income. There was a social credit score. There was a manufactured food crisis. Only the government could hand out food. They called it the Great Famine of 1955. Interestingly enough, they blamed the famine on bad weather. Kind of sounds like the climate change rhetoric of the Great Reset. And what do we see now? the food supply under major attack. We know that manufactured food shortages, crises, supply chain breakdowns are all part of the reset. So as I began to research the Great Leap Forward more, it became abundantly clear that this was a dry run, trial run, you know, LARP live action role play of the Great Reset. The People's Commune will be the bridge that will carry China towards the socialist paradise. The Commune experimented with a completely new way of life. All private property was abolished. Houses, animals, land and production tools became collective property. Nurseries and free, compulsory schools liberated women from their maternal duties so they could work in the fields. The family unit disappeared and children were made to live by the new rules of collective life. The individual was nothing more than a cog in a big machine. The furniture was seized for firewood and everything that could be destroyed was destroyed. The pigs, the sheep, everything was collectivized. Even the pots and pans were seized because families weren't allowed to cook. The aim was to force the peasants to take their meals in the commune's collective canteens. In some of them, they even abolished money. A system of work points was established. Food was distributed according to merit. 
i.e. each person's capacity to fulfill the production objectives. The notion of wages disappeared. It was compulsory to turn up every day. If your name wasn't on the attendance list, you were punished and you lost work points. The fewer work points you earned, the less food they gave you. Oh, it was miserable. I can tell you that life was brutal for everyone at that time, except the cadres. Those people lived well. So this is where we sit in, in our country. And the problem is that we are in a place where the greatest threat is not our government, but it's ourselves. And we can prove that by what we've seen under COVID-Con. You can imagine that as a government rolls out and there's a, on a looming crisis, the eagerness for people now to return to what we would call a normal, a promise of a normal, would be so much. And the, the trials and wearing down over the last few years to where they're tired of working so hard, they're tired of feeling, feeling the weight of the world, they're tired because they were dumb enough to take the vax. We're now at a point where we literally in a place where we are in a crisis as a nation. The right introduction of a crisis and the offer to have free money, which would be a UBI, universal basic income, and then to start denouncing wealth as a, as a sin and then be going into the idea that we're going to start coming together as one community, all of us working together for the common good. This type of verbiage is already beginning. And what it's working towards is this idea of modeling and shaping people through trauma-based trauma based, uh, programming that they're literally starting to get to a mindset that this would be better than living individual and, and being strong as a patriot. Because the weight of the world for them has become too much. We've seen the threshing and each of these steps, like we're seeing down at the border, we're seeing people stepping away and stepping into a place where they're speaking their voice. And as we engage local one by one, we're gaining more people onto our side. But we have to move faster. We have to be more aggressive. Because there's way too many people out here still walking in zombie land. The place, again, as I said earlier, where you would expect much of this to be deprogrammed, which would be in our churches, is not happening. That's a lost territory right there, unfortunately, in the large scope of things. And that's another reason that I truly believe that God is calling his children to stand up. And we're seeing a massive growth in home churches and a massive growth in private study of churches or of the Bible. Those things have to continue because the, the fuse is still lit to be able to push people over the edge and for them to literally be able to step in and say, we're going to go to collectivism. And you can see this happening. You can see that it's happening in neighborhood after neighborhood across the nation. As people are then offered, download this app, we'll give you free money. Download this app, you'll start to have a, ma a basic monthly income. And then as they start to talk about the benefit of the good for the, for the greater good, we're all in this together, this sort of verbiage that we're already hearing, that we need to start sharing our spaces with one another. People that have houses have to start taking people in. We have immigrants. They're already doing this right now. We have an influx of immigrants. They need housing. We have too many people on the streets. They need housing. You need to start sharing your houses. BlackRock, Blackstone, Vanguard are not going to give up their properties. I guarantee it. But you are going to be forced to live in the way that they want you to live. And the problem is, it's not the government that will be the problem. Those rules are up to the people to enforce. It will be this idiot group of people out here that want stuff easy and free in their life. And they're growing. That's the other problem with this. 
We have a body of people in this nation that are very eager to have an easier life, are very eager to get something free to keep them going. Most of these immigrants coming across this border have been, illegally have been promised something. They've been promised free food, free housing, free transportation, free phones, even free clothing. And they're setting this up to create a model that they can leverage those people to be able to now mobilize them into our communities to say, I want to live in that house. And the government would say yes. And the communities being so weak would say, okay, we agree. People are the problem here. And it's, it's not even the immigrants coming across the border. They don't know better, to be honest with you. They're desperate. It's easy to leverage them. They you give them a promise. They're being brought here on a lie. But it's the people in the United States that have lost the will and the understanding of who we are. The only way that changes is if we are speaking out and speaking truth, as harsh as that may be. We have to force people into a place of challenging their narrative that they're trapped in challenge their narrative, whether it's COVID and be able to speak truth to them, to make them understand that you literally have a, bio, a, a, a genomic weapon system in your body, that the likelihood is that every single person that took the vax will be dead in 10 years. I'm, I mean this. We are seeing that attrition happening. People have become very comfortable with the idea as people like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny at the very beginning was calling out mass death from this French scientists were saying the same thing, that people were going to be dying in mass, but it didn't happen right away. So people believed it, they convinced themselves that it won't happen. But now watch what's happening. The, the disability of people, people becoming disabled by the vax and the death of the vax are running in parallel, and it's growing in mass. If you listen to Carolina Stanzik's interview last night, her comment was, for those that are in denial, it's only a matter of time before you have a friend or family member that will be disabled by the vax. It's growing. She's right. The number of people being affected by this is, is, is like a slow-moving mo avalanche. And it's not. we've got 70% of our population, by what we understand, that actually took the thing. Our opportunity window is right now to speak out because ultimately we have to get to a point where we can turn the tables on these people. Accountability is at the core of this. And accountability means just as David took out the Goliaths, we have to kill the Goliaths and we have to behead them. And just as Jesus said, we have to find the perpetrators of some of the greatest crimes, which are to children, and we've got to put a millstone around their neck and cast them into the sea. But there has to be that level of justice and accountability to return this nation to any sort of monicum of being what we were. But we are not what we were anymore. And that is where we have to confront where we, where we are and start asking ourselves the big, biggest question of all, how do we get this moving? There is a great awakening happening within the people. Part of the counteraction to this is to try to bring in so many people across our border that it creates a counterbalance that neutralizes the great awakening. They don't want that voice raising up because they want the burden of those around us that once they take away their free stuff, their, their debit cards for food, their money, those people become instantly radicalized. The only way through this to get into those, as I've said this before, is to understand how much of a threat or benefit those people can be. I'm not for illegal aliens coming across this border. Let me be perfectly clear. That is a violation of what our country was supposed to be. We want good people here. We want people that have talent and skills. But we have this other lurking problem, which is the consequence of the vax. It's a hidden enemy. There are job openings right now that they can't fill. There's a labor shortage. 
we keep trying to convince ourselves of yet another lie. Those are just lazy people that don't want to work. I encourage you to look at the resources available for people not being able to work right now. They're not as much as we think. When you start to look at Edward Dowd's work and his research, it constantly is pointing to the same thing. That working class group that would usually be there is either dead or disabled. The, the, the elderly class, the, the wisdom class, as I call it, has been devastated by this. And they're dying off and nobody cares. Because someone dies at 70, someone dies at 75. Like, oh, they're old, no big deal. Look at the life expectancy of the United States. How did it suddenly decline? How did we get less healthy? Because it's the facts. And so what we're facing here is an unbelievable level of warfare upon our nation. We were hit in the military. It was hit silently, and we couldn't see behind the walls of what was going on as they ravaged our military with this shot. And then on the other side, we have the public that was ravaged. And we've all witnessed the same thing, both camps. We've witnessed that the majority of people went along with it. In spite of our efforts to scream from the top of our lungs, to spring string to speak truth to power, people went along with it because they believed and were indoctrinated into the culture of fear. And they were locked in there. Now they live with the consequences. And unfortunately, they don't want and can't often face the fact that they were lied to and they were tricked and deceived. And so it's they want to believe in a fantasy that all of this stuff, these health consequences are coming from something else like long COVID or some other nonsense. At the core of this is truth. And the truth carries with it some very harsh and brutal accountability. When it comes to our military, and I've spoken very boldly about this, the, the document of the Declaration of Military Accountability document, which has the 231 signers on it, that document is very powerful because what it speaks to is accountability for everybody in their ranks, in particular the senior officers, to be held accountable for their actions. When we take that down and ask the simple question, as Brad Miller recently asked on his Twitter, show me one officer, a, a, a flag officer, a general, that did the right thing. And the answer is there are none. So what we're, what we're actually calling for in the DMA is we want the, every single general officer in the United States military to be brought before charges under UCMJ for violating the law, an act of treason, a violation of oath, and a crime against humanity. All of that happened with every single one of them. And while we will hear excuses after excuses, the fact of the matter is no one raised their hand, nor have they raised their hand since this injury has happened. And that same fact holds true in the public space. Politicians aren't touching this because they all know. And if you think for a second that these people don't know now the effects of what they're part of, you're lying to yourself. They all know that they're part of a massive criminal cabal that has assaulted this nation and tried to kill millions and have succeeded in damaging and doing just that. Our answer forward is to be the righteous. Our answer forward is to be bold with truth. Our answer forward is to challenge each and every one of these people knowing that the ones that are far down the ladder often don't really realize how ridiculous they are or what they're really abiding by. We have to give them a bit of grace to come out, but there has to be an understanding of consequence. This is why I speak here regularly and I speak openly to those in, in our military, in our law enforcement, in our law enforcement, in the Department of Homeland Security, in our agencies. And this is what I say and I will say it all the time. You are in a window of forgiveness. Turn and do the right thing. 
The public will stand with you. We understand you've been deceived. Start upholding the Constitution. But that window is going to close. Because once we gain the upper hand here, and it's not a matter of if we will, it's a matter of when, the grace period is over. The accountability will be harsh. And the truth of the matter is that the hammer will fall, and it will fall hard. We're not going to have people celebrating or arguing of whether a person should be given a lighter sentence or not if they've been involved in destroying somebody else's life. And those harsh realities are that depending on where you sit on the spectrum of treason and crime against humanity, you'll be seeking hard time or you'll be seeking the, the experience of what it is to swing on the end of a rope. That's the truth of this. That's being just, that's being moral, that's being ethical, and that's following the law. But that's what's not getting enforced. And it's not getting enforced in part because we have a mass amount of sheep and drones out here walking around pretending that nothing's wrong or that it's all better and all over. We have to become the disruptors. We have to be those agitators. We have to be the ones that shake the root. You have to walk that path of Christ. You have to get to where you're going to flip the tables. You have to get to where you pull out the whip sometimes and whip somebody out of the market. You have to have the courage to step into the into the temples and speak to the Pharisees. And that means even taking it into the churches and challenging the churches for being obedient. It means shaking the people's lives up. And that doesn't mean you're the popular one in the crowd. In fact, you'd probably be hated by many. Let them be hated. There shouldn't be a single family in a church that is divided over this shot. I guarantee you there's many. There shouldn't be a single family in this church that doesn't understand the truth of what they've done in terms of taking salvation through a needle and not salvation through Christ. Because at the end of the day, the reason they took that shot was fear, not through the faith in God. Every church should be speaking that message. Every church should be repenting for what the people have done. And every church should be leading people to the altar of repentance because this was a bioweapon. This wasn't something to do good for the people. It was there to destroy you. And as we learn more about it and we get deeper into its mechanisms, it alters your DNA, which means it's altering you as God made you at the core root. Those that understand this are in church. They are repenting. They are praying. And it doesn't mean that their healing is happening, but they're trying. And we have to support them with all of our hearts. But we have an obligation to walking in this body of Christ of speaking truth to the world. And if we aren't going to speak truth boldly, and be willing to step out, then ask yourself truly what your mission is here on earth. There are enough people, even in Bard's nation alone, that this nation can be shaken and transformed because it takes on that one-in-one -one engagement where you affect somebody's lives and they start to think that one person affects somebody else and little by little, that tsunami works. But when I see the number of people that are down at the border or I see the number of people that have co-signed on the DMA, which is on the website, or I see the number of people that really come out to the rallies or the number of people that are getting involved in politics. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm telling you it's not happening to the level and extreme that it should be because many people are still not willing to step out. You know, I struggle all the time with when I talk to my parents. My dad's 87. My mom's 86. They do community service. They're engaged in the Republican Party. They're engaged in pa local patriot activities. And every time they give the same report, a handful of people came, but not very many people. And I'm asking myself, why? 
because apathy is easier than stepping out. Apathy and hoping so and beyond hope that everything is going to go back to normal is better because I'm going to worry more about what I can get at Walmart than I am worrying about the direction of this nation. This nation needs the voices of the righteous, and those righteous have to stand up, and this is the hour to do it. And as we have this momentum going, we have to be engaging one another and not hoping that the Tucker Carlson's will change the world. Yes, his message is big. Yes, he's mobilizing people. Yes, yes, yes. But Tucker Carlson, in the end, is positioning himself for something else. I guarantee it. Maybe it's a run for presidency. Maybe it's something else. And while I admire the fact that he can come out and speak truth, the fact of the matter is that we need that type of effort in every single county and every single community across the nation. And if that means you're just taking a clip from Tucker Carlson because people are somewhat more comfortable with him speaking than some other radical, crazy guy like Ted Nugent or myself, then do it. But we have to carry the tools into people's lives and not allow them to stay silent and not allow them to put their heads in the sand. Because here's the bottom line. Above all politics, above all else, this is a war of good versus evil. A war of a, of a spirit of life or the spirit of death. And what's at stake are people's salvation and their total lives in eternity. Many people have made mistakes, bad ones, bad choices. They've, been, they've succumbed to the true hand of evil. And they've chosen this pathway that, of giving in through fear to literally change the very temple in which the sacred temple that God gave us. They need to understand that. They need to repent. They need to come back to Christ. They need to put themselves before God to accept this accountability because accountability is what changes this nation. And when we get that accountability in and we start, people start to see what's happened, there's no place this evil can hide. For right now, it still has enough corners to tuck away in. But those need to be exposed to light, and evil needs to be eradicated from this land. A critical moment that we're sitting in right now. A powerful time, a choice of whom we serve. And by whom we serve, it isn't simply saying, I love God. It's giving everything to that mission in the greatest rescue mission ever launched to save humanity from the pits of hell. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we thank you for this time that we have. We thank you for the fellowship that builds. We thank you for the inspiration in people's hearts. We just pray a blessing over Mars Nation today and all those that are listening to be a blessing of inspiring the warrior heart of Christ to step in now, to speak truth to power, to literally lead people from the darkness into the light, to not hesitate to call out evil, to challenge those in the positions of authority, police officers or people in the federal government, people even working some cubicle job, challenging them to explain their role, to understand what their obligation is, challenging them to abide by the Constitution, pushing them to read Scripture and get their, their head in the Word. This is a critical time of resetting a nation and resetting the moral character of a nation, a nation that's been deeply morally wounded, a nation that has to find its roots again of what it is to be a patriot, of what it is to be in a, in a representative republic, of what it is to be strong and stand against the crowd and not be one of the crowd. A time when we need the voices to, to walk against the tide and not turn around and flow with it. This is a time when we people have to face the reality of what this government is, a tyranny. And it should be the obligation, and we pray this, Father, and a, 
blessing of, of transforming hearts at, at every pulpit that will wake these pastors up to make them understand that this is the hour to be speaking against tyranny. This is the hour to speaking those hard topics about the vax. I don't care if it affects your congregation. Speak the truth. This vax was a bioweapon. It was designed to maim, destroy, and kill. Have people understand what's in them. Have altar calls to come people, to ask people to come and repent for taking it. This is a time to repent for the sins we've done and to repent for a nation that has betrayed them. And let us as a nation, Father, find our place on our knees first as we repent for the sins of those that have waged war against the children, waged war against the innocent, waged war against the widows, and created more widows in the process. Father, this is an hour in which we're praying the heart of humility upon a nation, a heart that understands the critical hour in which we're in, an hour in which is the clock is ticking. There is a, there is a timeline to self-destruction, to be on the right side of this, to be standing with you, to be standing away from the destructive force of the evil that's trying to drive us all down. And as we step away from it, to embrace that body of Christ in the mightiness and glory that it is, that we may stand out here and understand that we are not of this world, but we are here as stewards of this world, to guide people back and to be part of the greatest rescue mission of all kind, of all time. So, Father, we pray this blessing upon this nation, upon Bard's nation, upon all those that listen, to lift them up, to give them courage, to, to take away doubt, to re remove the shame from our hearts and to eliminate fear, and now to step into the boldness and glory of what it is to be a son and daughter of the Most High, and now be bold in that authority and step into those authorities that Christ gave, him, gave to us himself. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name and the glory of all. Amen. An important hour for us to lead in every place we are. Every single person is on the battlefield. There is no battlefield per se. It is everywhere. And every person's action affects the outcome of this war. So be part of the solution. Be courageous. Be bold. Let Christ guide you. May the Holy Spirit bless you. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow night for our show, Gospel of Peace, 7 p.m. Saturday night. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Get back in my body
just to feel.